welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. This is the second part of a two-part podcast interview with Kanan Bas, our director of digital media at Clean Technica. In the first part, we talked infotainment systems and vehicles. In this part, we're talking AI and autonomous driving. Kanan, what's your overview take on the status, just, just to start with an easy one, overview take on the status of the autonomous driving market at the moment? Hmm, at the moment. I mean, I think a good example is actually uh, the car that I'm reviewing right now, the Fiat 500 uh, electric, the new one. There are multiple systems in there. There is uh, a system that keep that you know that keeps the lane. There's a system that uh, the cru- basic cruise control and the system that keeps distance between you and the car in front of it. And when you add automatic steering to that within that lane, you suddenly get what they call co-pilot. And that's basically where most of the legacy automakers and uh, are at. A combination of a couple of systems. It's not smart, not not really intelligent, doesn't understand what's going on around, but it does a lot of the same work that basic autopilot, Tesla autopilot does. Tesla is leaps and bounds beyond everyone else in ways that most people just don't understand because they don't know how the system works. And the only ones that are actually getting somewhat close to Tesla would be, you know, Mobileye, um, Waymo. Who knows where Xpeng and... Uh, Xpeng system was, but was it Xpilot? Those are like the top contenders. And, you know, I think Tesla is absolutely has a throne on top. And uh, it, most people just don't understand how the system works. And that's why there are, there's a lot of misunderstanding out there. Yeah. I mean, I drove the Ford Mustang Mach-E in January or February, and the system was qu- quite good, quite similar to what I experienced in Tesla Autopilot. Um it had different pros and cons. Uh, but then when I talked to Darren Palmer, their head of, of BEVs at Ford, uh, you know, he mentioned that, you know, they had improved that greatly. They had the the blue cruise out now um, that solved some issues I had, I brought up with him. Um, and I mean, if, if that is significantly better then I think driving with that or Tesla autopilot would not feel very, much different but basically you know this is all driver assist so the question is what what gets to to full autonomy so i don't know talk talk a little bit about what you why you think tesla is really um so far ahead on getting to full autonomy yeah so I think a huge part of it actually became clear when uh, Andre Carpathy gave his uh, first presentation, you know, gave a second one. I still have yet to look at that. But um, in the first one, he explained how their system do, works. Do you, you know? mean, do you mean uh, at Tesla or do you mean recently in the past, there was uh, an event where he gave a big presentation? There was a presentation like a, within the last week, but yes. I'm talking about the original presentation, which was, well, I think probably a year ago by now, if not more. But what he was, how he was explaining this is that uh, to reach full self-driving, they could keep expanding their autopilot team indefinitely if they wanted to with new people. But 
you're just not going to get there that way. It's about automating the learning process, you know. And Elon has always, you know, it all actually makes sense. Elon has already been very overly optimistic since 2015 about being able to achieve autopilot, uh, you know, full autonomy. And each time he hasn't gotten there yet. And a huge part of that is because they were not very successful at automating the learning process the way they thought they would be. So, for example, one of the big issues that, you know, recently became very clear is that trying to learn from every individual camera is just not a good approach. It just isn't going to scale. And so that's when they started moving to 360. Tesla's system, right? Unlike uh, most driver assists, most driver assists don't understand the road. They don't understand how many lanes there are. They don't understand where in the world they are. Uh, they're not, let's say, aware of their surroundings beyond like the basic tasks that they have been given. Whereas Tesla, you know, as we can see from the visualization, it understands the cars, how it's gonna, they could move. A car, for example, a person is at the side of the road. Hey, that means this person might cross the road. It's like they see things, they they think what could happen, whereas most driver assists don't. You know, that's the difference there. And so their system, it may seem to be at a similar level now until the learning process is finally, you know, more optimized and it can actually go faster and faster and faster. And I think we're soon going to start to see more of that once they finally finish switching to 360. And that is when they will finally start getting where Elon Musk has promised uh, Tesla would be for years. Yeah, well, I, I was planning to write something along those same lines in, in my own words, but the same all the same concepts when writing about the Mustang Mach-E, just because, as you said, the output is very similar right now. It seems like, oh, this is, you know, exactly. this is not much different. This is like the same thing, basically. But yeah. when you... but. On the, that's the only talking about the output, the input, the, the thing that creates that is so dramatically different. And yeah. the the thing with Tesla that's hard is Elon has been so confident for so long and has had such a hard time with the timelines. Like, like I specifically yeah. bought my Model 3 in the middle of 2019 with the expectation that we'd have the full full self-driving, what was he calling it back then? The, the full... Um, full capability it, it would have yeah, feature, complete, like feature complete <laughs> feature complete feature complete yeah it was this, he stopped using this term and i think probably because it was much you know he had to shift terms i i think because it took too long and the, i mean the, the the reasoning the rationale is fine is logical it makes sense you know they hit a kind of situation where they decided they had to rewrite the entire code to to do things in a different way um but you know by end of 2019, he was very confident they were going to have it feature complete before that issue came up and they rewrote all the code and that took a year or something. And then, yeah. you know, more recently in the past six months, you know, the, the big joke on Twitter, Tesla Twitter is it just two more weeks for the button. You know, We were all supposed to get this button for, for the full self-driving beta like six months ago. And, and it's always like two weeks away. <laughs> and so this is, you know, among Tesla fans, like total fanboys and fangirls, this is a, a, a joke now because, you know, it's happened so many times. So I think there's a mixture of, okay, it seems like Tesla has the approach that takes us to the finish line, but it's always delayed. They're always running into a new problem. They have to rewrite write code for or something, you know, like now it's like, like for example, the of, latest getting one, rid like of radar. Radar. Radar is a really interesting one because uh, in general, I just have a bit of experience with editing 360 video, and I just know 
how power intensive it is. I have a strong computer editing video, no problem. Editing 360 video, damn, that's difficult. And I can imagine that if you already have 360 video, learning from it, great. Trying to modify it with another level of dimension from a different sensor is just going to be you know, really difficult and unnecessary in the end. Yeah, and I mean, I think whenever he or someone explains what problem they ran into and why, why how they're changing, what they're doing, it gives me more confidence. It makes me feel better. Like, okay, this all makes sense. Yeah. I understand now why it's being delayed. But there's two things that come. Out. One, one, one side of me is like I fully, I really believe in this model that they're uh, um, following, and it's they're like the only ones doing it. I mean, unless you want to talk about comma AI or something. But so, so as long as it really does work in the end, like their leaps, they're just years ahead of others. On the flip side, I, I think like, how did they not see these problems ahead of time? How did, you know, this, these, these are the experts. I'm just a lay person. I, I can, you know, maybe not see this is going to be a problem ahead of time, but, but others have, and, and they just, can you, you know, explain what you mean others have, because I don't, well, I understand. I mean, you have different critics who, who will throw everything on the wall. So, I mean, you see some of these things like, like uh, that, you know, their, their system of labeling images was just never going to work. And, but, you know, it's like here or there, it's not like someone's every day pounding this as their top point, you know, but I mean, the general point though is, is like, these are the experts and they keep running into issues that you would think they would foresee and, and, you know, avoid ahead of time. And I understand they're not perfect, they're humans, but still it makes you wonder like, well, if, if they keep running into issues and having to rewrite well, Zach, the code. I think I can explain this one rather easily. Well, you then can they really, but then than, can they really get familiar to the finish with an line? Example. You should be more than familiar with an example I'm about to give. Climate change. Why are certain scientists still saying it's not happening? It, the thing is, it you're never going to know beforehand until you definitively prove it. So yes, there have been people who theorized that, for example, the way they were labeling things is never going to work. And there were a lot of people that thought it will work. And until you try it, you just won't know. And the same thing with climate change. You, you still have a lot of people well, uh, finding new I, data and it's still unclear what the hell is going on, right? Well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't really say so. I mean, I think it's like, it's like uh, I used to cover this a decade ago and there were like five scientists who were disagreeing with like a thousand and they all had different weird theories of why they were right. And they all disagreed with each other because they're all wrong. <laughs> but so it's like... I think that's very clear. How everything is affected is very not clear. Like the ramifications of like, and everyone's open about that. Like we don't really know what's going to happen to the world because one thing leads to another and leads to another yes. and all these systems are interconnected. And, you know, that's, that's complicated, but I don't I mean, want to get into it. You don't know the... until you've done it. And that's what I'm yeah. basically, basically trying to say, for example, the, even the IPCC report, you know, they're at least five years behind because in general, it is such a huge system that interacts in so many unknown ways that is very difficult to predict. And you, they're trying to get more accurate and to understand things better and they're making progress. But until you figure out something definitively, until you try something and failed, you're just not going to know that. I mean, there are a lot of people that will say one thing and some will say the other. And that's the same thing with Tesla. They didn't know that this labeling system wasn't going to work. Some people thought that, that already beforehand, but they also could not have known for sure until you try it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two things with Tesla then that I end up with is like one is I really believe in the, in the, in the theory, the concept and the, the plan 
and every time these issues are explained and what the hell they're solving them are explained it makes sense and it's like it still fits within that yeah. whole grand plan and you know <laughs> you still think okay well this is this is a bug this is not a fatal flaw and there i still don't see any fatal flaws to the idea on the flip side it's like okay there's they're 100 confident they can do it but then they run into different weird issues that they have to spend a year solving so like how and and the finish line is so strange you know it's not like it's like they you can get to 99.99 percent you know they're there they're, they're just not at 99.9999999 exactly just the and, number of nine so like point you know yeah and so the question is like where is that actual point you know like and how hard is it really to get there and I mean, I mean, I still lean on the side of Tesla's going to do it in their years ahead. But I also like just wonder, like, you know, is there is there just always going to is it is it going to be five years more of like, oh, well, we I don't have think this there's issue. ever going to be this flip moment where suddenly, yes, it's done. You know, everything is just going to be more gradual. But I think the biggest progress that we have seen is the FSD beta. Now, yes, they haven't had an update in quite a while now because of that radar problem. But in general, the fact that the FSD beta was out there and that the button for a lot more people for the FSD beta was going to come soon and hopefully is actually now coming soon, that is already huge. And it will be a another butts in seats moment where you'll just have to, again, put people into cars, show it to them, and eventually it is going to improve, awareness is going to rise, and you know, different areas of the US and different countries are slowly going to approve for partial or total autonomy. And it's just going to be a gradual process. And someone will be the first for sure. Yeah, They'll and there will, just will accept be responsibility for the bigger risk or accidents that may or may not happen. And, you know, yeah, it's just going to be will, gradual. There will be places like Dubai that really want to be first. So Singapore exactly. has like tremendous yeah. infrastructure and they can easily implement it because they don't have too many you know, uh, quirky situations and all that stuff. Yep. But so, yeah. And I mean, the, I mean, the question is, does it get to robotaxi level and at what scale, you know, like this is the big point. Like, I mean, I think, it's, you know, this is the big deal because this is what changes the financials, yeah. the economics of it all tr tremendously. And like you said, there might just be, you know, geographic, you know, evolution on that. Right. I think to perfectly finish up on that, would be to say that Tesla in the next year didn't, doesn't plan on making more than 30 million cars per year. And that's like a best case scenario. Considering the fact that there are 100 million cars around the world means we're not going to get to robo-taxis like fully for a lot longer than most people actually were hoping for. I mean, the start is going to, well, the start is arguably already almost here, but the uh, actual place where, you know, almost anyone can hail a robot taxi to arrive in five minutes. That might be further off than people are hoping for. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I've I remembered my point. So my, my point was there are many technologies we have now that previously would, you know, if you talk to 10 people on the street, they wouldn't believe we would have them, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. And so it's, it's always very, 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 very difficult for us to see a future I mean, I mean, there's certain people who are very futuristic, but then most people are very will not believe you saying, "Oh, in five years you're gonna, 
you know, have this or like 20 years ago in, in 20 years, you're going to have a cell phone that does all these things. You know, I'd be like, yeah, that's very nice. Go back to you know, smoking, whatever you're smoking. <laughs> like, like, I don't believe you for a second, you know? So, I mean, I think there's kind of, it's very hard to believe stuff until it happens. So until it happens, we're always going to have these skeptical thoughts, but then um, it does seem like we're on the path for it. So, so leaving Tesla behind, let's just talk for for a few minutes as well about, like these different approaches, can you sort of explain and parse out the differences between what Waymo, Mobileye, and um, NVIDIA, and perhaps some of these Chinese smart EV companies, the different approaches these these are they're taking? In the, let's actually start with China. I, I forgot the name of the company, but basically they're in China. They already have autonomous cars that you can hail and ride. I'm sorry that I don't remember the name, but uh, the thing is, it all has to do with system confidence, right? So for example, Teslas are programmed to not be confident at all. And they also learn slower because of that, they take less risks. The Chinese one, well, you know, if someone hits a car, uh, a car hits a person there, it's not as big a deal as it would be in the US. And so they can program their cars to be more confident and actually learn faster. What approach exactly they're using, I'm not certain, but I think that is a really important aspect to mention. Uh, people who have tried the Tesla Summon, it's like, why on earth does it keep stopping when there's absolutely nothing there but a shadow of a tree, you know? Well, confidence. <laughs> if you program confidence into there, you have a bigger risk, but you also learn faster. Now, to actually talk about methodology, I think the clearest case is Waymo. Uh, they rely heavily on HD maps. They uh, rely on having a car drive up and down a specific road dozens, if not a hundred times to perfectly learn how to drive that road before it actually can drive that road. And it they need to explore, not just with Street View, but in general, entire cities and spend a lot of time just to add that as a possible route. and. That's just, you can't grow that to a worldwide system, no matter how much you want. I mean, I think the fact that Street View still isn't available around the entire world is basically the perfect example uh, showing that this is just not going to be doable. I mean, it's going to be doable for some regions, some markets, and they can slowly keep expanding and maybe even be profitable with it. But it will not be a global system. It, its growth is absolutely limited. And uh, that's the biggest uh, limitation. It's, it's an approach. And it's not just to do with LiDAR, it's just with how they learn and teach the car to cope with situations uh, by teaching them, you know, beforehand uh, where they're going to drive uh, rather than uh, a system that can handle uh, various situations. It's Tesla's cars are more like a person, you know, trying to teach it to drive where they're trying to teach a system the various roads and how to ride those roads. They're just different tasks and one is scalable and the other, not so much. Um, NVIDIA, that's an interesting one actually, because they're not specifically working on the software for autonomy. They're just working on creating the hardware. Um, what was their latest chip that was incoming? Well, they, I, I interviewed their head guy for this too. And they, he said they, they do a lot of software as well. And with an automaker part, partner, they will do software and hardware or just hardware or, you know, they, they sort of, they can tailor themselves to, to, to match the partner. Yeah. What was the automaker? Was it, in, was it Volvo? No, wait, they, they have Mercedes? a big, they have, yeah, Mercedes, they have a big Mercedes, um, partnership. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So uh, NVIDIA was, you're right, they are also working on some levels of software. And um, NVIDIA is actually pretty interesting. For example, you cannot use it uh, for autonomy in the skies, in the air, because uh, NVIDIA has closed drivers. And because of that, you know, developers, they cannot exactly predict uh, what kind of output you'll get from this specific input because there is a kind of invisible level <laughs> to them in between. And you're right that uh, NVIDIA is now developing uh, specific uh, self-driving software to already give to automakers to give them a head start. But it is also partially, for example, their partner Mercedes uh, that they are working with uh, on this. And the hardware itself is the most interesting part of NVIDIA because uh, first they had, um, you know, processors that actually took way too much electricity. Like I think we were talking about like 400 watts where Tesla was talking about a maximum of 100 100. And now with their latest generation uh, hardware that's about to come out in the next year or two, now they are finally actually competing with Tesla's hardware three. And they are definitely want to push that out the door so badly that they are even working a lot more on software now. And yeah, and like, Xpeng or Neo, one of them is going to use that, or they probably both will. But Oren, that was it. NVIDIA Oren, that's the new uh, hardware that's coming out, new chip. Yeah, and that'll go into that's already been announced for certain vehicles. I forget which which ones, but um, so it's already going in. And yeah, so I mean, but do you? So you don't really see them as developing a kind of a global software approach that's you know in some way comparable. They're a bit of a question mark. We don't know exactly how they fully work and how they plan to do. Uh, They have some pretty good systems. I. that I think are more promising than, for example, Waymo is. Waymo really needs to reinvent itself if they want to stay relevant. Uh, but uh, NVIDIA, that's a bit of a question mark, and so is Mobileye. Mobileye was already pretty doing pretty well together with Tesla uh, around 2014, and they still have they have had a lot of time to also improve their system. They're just not as wide on the public awareness campaign as some others are. And then there's there's Cruise as well. I don't, don't know, know enough wanna... about uh, okay. GM crews, right? Yeah. Don't know enough about them to truly comment on those. Because, I mean, some people just lump them as a, another Waymo approach, just um, a little bit behind Waymo. But, you know, like you said, I think it's very clear Waymo's approach has limits to scalability. And I don't think, I, I feel like Cruise is trying to do more than that but you know it's it's hard to hard to really get into the detail of how some of these compare and and how they differentiate interestingly for example waymo we have no idea what kind of hardware powers it i mean they've been working on this since uh 2010 or something with that prius when they started and we still don't know what kind of hardware powers it or how uh, power hungry it is but what's really interesting is as far as i know they still only drive the gas cars. They still, they announced the fact that they were going to work on the I-Pace, but I don't think even a single one, even two or three years later has yet to hit the road with that. Yeah, so what's... And I so, wonder you know, because the, the I-Pace, the battery, it's not that great. And I'm fairly sure that they their system is rather power hungry. And that might be why we still haven't seen that Waymo... Uh, prototype actualized 
that was always a funny partnership you know it's a premium vehicle it's it's not like uh i don't know it was a funny partnership but um well it's also funny is they were planning to like more integrate those sensors so they stick out less and yet it still sticks out a lot yeah i don't know if you've seen that render but yeah i mean I, uh, I don't know, but so, you know, we talked about, you know, basically there's going to be a geographical evolution, you know, so it's not like full autonomy clicks on across the world all at once for, you know, for anyone. Um, it's sort of going to be like, okay, maybe Florida says, oh, you can operate and, and, and some companies operate in Tampa or, or that happens in, you know, Dubai or, or something. What, what is your kind of take on, you know, your best guess on how these technologies roll out in the next three to, to nine years? Well, I think Bobolai, I think, is still rather promising. I mean, considering where they were in 2014, that they didn't have the setback of having to start anew like Tesla did. They just continued developing on. And I think they're doing pretty well. They could definitely reach level three, uh, not far, not much later than Tesla. I mean, Tesla might actually pave the way uh, through a lot of legal hurdles and allow a competitor like Mobileye to also uh, get themselves certified. I mean, it's interesting that they are not so wide on the public awareness campaign, that they're kind of being quiet for all these years, uh, quieter than, for example, Waymo or Tesla or even Xpengarini or those others. I think we might be rather surprised by Mobileye. Waymo, well, they're already out there. Uh, they're just, like I said, it's not scale, not very scalable. So they'll keep growing and I'm sure they'll, you know, earn some profit, but will they actually break even and be, it will never be what they wanted it to be unless they actually change their approach. Well, Nvidia could be like a huge partner. Sorry, what? Mobileye is interesting too, because it's part of Intel and Intel's got to yeah. have, you know, enormous personnel resources that they could try to tap and, you know, integrate to, to, to bring Mobileye beyond what it is today, you know? Yeah. That's also a bit of a question because Mobileye, they used to, I think, also, they used to also work with NVIDIA hardware, but since they were bought by Intel, I'm sure Intel doesn't really like the idea of them having to use NVIDIA hardware. So I'm kind of curious what kind of uh, silicon it's running on right now. And that might also have stopped or like slowed uh, mobilized progress even. It's, it's curious to know what, what they're working on right now, like what kind of hardware they're running on. And that is like a ba- pretty important question because what is good hardware? Tesla hardware three, good hardware. NVIDIA's orange chip, really good hardware as well. And what the others are running on, that's a bit of a question, you know? Even I think Xpeng also runs off of NVIDIA uh, chips and they will also yeah, probably yes. be moving on to orange. Yeah, they, they do. And, and yeah, there's several, we have written about this, but there's a lot of automakers and, and NVIDIA points out even that Tesla uses NVIDIA hardware as well and for different things. Um, well, so to wrap up, Kanan, what, when and where do you think you will ride in your first robo-taxi? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, it all depends, but I think it's definitely going to be a Tesla. That, that point is, is pretty much certain. When exactly? I mean, technically, does the uh, FSD beta count as the first robot taxi or close to it? I think. I mean, next- I mean, a service that you actually pay for, like you're a paying customer of the robot taxi. Right. 
And where right. would that be? If Tesla doesn't have any more major obstacles like removing radar, we might be able to see the first service in the US maybe in two years. That's rather optimistic, uh, Elon time. But I think for sure within the next four years, we will definitely see this start to roll out as a service. That would be so my guess. So between 2023 and 2025, and I think it's safe to say it's going to happen in the US first and that you will make sure to get a flight to the US so that you can experience it. <laughs> Basically, yeah. If so, Tesla has an event, I'll, I'll uh, wait along somehow. California or Florida or something like this. Texas, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your insight and um, all this this whole chat. Um, everyone, Thanks for having me, Zach. It was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, hopefully everyone who's listening to this one catches the first part as well. Um, great conversation on infotainment before this conversation on AI and autonomous driving. Thank you very much, Khan. Have a good evening. Likewise, Zach. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.